This is episode 252 of the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. We're so excited to have you with us on this episode of Two Birth and Beyond. I'm Jessie Mundell, mom, kinesiologist, and fitness coach to pregnant and current moms. And I'm Anita Lambert, mom, pelvic health, and orthopedic physiotherapist with a focus on women's health. On the show, we provide information and education on fitness, the pelvic floor, fertility, pregnancy, birth, postpartum, and women's health. We offer a brave space to have candid and vulnerable conversations on the struggles and joys of motherhood, including all aspects of our physical, mental, and emotional health. While you're listening in, please remember that the information on the show is not meant to diagnose or treat any medical conditions. Please speak with your medical provider for all things related to your healthcare. We're so excited to have you. Let's dive into today's show. Hey, it's Anita here. Before we jump into today's episode, I didn't want you to miss that enrollment for the fall group coaching option for my Bumped Birth Method online program is open now until Monday, October 3rd at midnight, with the first group coaching call happening on October 5th. The group coaching option only opens twice a year which includes seven live online weekly group coaching calls where I dive deeper into topics in each module. Plus you have access to the on-demand program content and the VIP members only Facebook group to get support from me as you go through the program and connect with other like-minded expecting moms. Whether you're preparing for your first or fifth birth, if you're wondering how to properly connect to your pelvic floor in pregnancy and during birth beyond traditional Kegels, If you're wanting to know how to best prepare your body and mind for labor and pushing, including how to minimize tearing. If you're wanting your partner to be more informed about how they can support you during birth and your postpartum recovery. If your first birth didn't go as planned and you want this birth to be a positive experience. And if you want guidance before and after birth for how to have a smoother postpartum recovery, then the Bumped Birth Method online program is for you. You get lifetime access to the program content, the coaching call replays, and the VIP Facebook group, so you can return to review at any time, including in any future pregnancies. Bump to Birth includes similar key exercises and strategies that I used in my own two pregnancies, plus that I've shared with hundreds of pregnant clients I work with in clinic. Bonuses include expert interviews, core and pelvic floor yoga class, strength training workouts, hospital and home birth bag lists, meditation tracks for pregnancy, birth, and postpartum, plus so much more. Head to the show notes or go to bumpedbirthmethod.com to hear what other expecting moms have said about going through Bump to Birth and to join the fall cohort today before enrollment closes at midnight on October 3rd. Okay, let's jump into today's episode. Welcome back to the Two Birth and Beyond podcast. It's Anita here. And many of our listeners continue to ask for more birth stories on the podcast so you can hear a variety of experiences, both for those preparing for their first and subsequent birth. So on today's episode, I have a special guest, Emily, mom of two, who gave birth to her daughter, Ellie, a few months ago. And I had the opportunity to work with Emily during her second pregnancy and postpartum recovery. And she wanted to share her story with you as she prepared differently second time around, but also the location of her second birth was unexpected, but she still felt calm throughout because of how she prepared this time around. So thank you so much, Emily, for being on the podcast. Yeah. Ah, thank you so much for, for having me. <laughs> yeah, no, I think this will be great because I know I know your birth story, but I think it'll be great for others 
um, to hear. And I know you said you had friends and family asking about it. So this is a great way that you can can share it with them. But why don't we first start with if you want to share a bit more about yourself, kind of what you do, and then we'll jump into about your last pregnancy. Sure. Um, yeah, so I'm from Peterborough, uh, Ontario, from the same area as you, obviously. Uh, Stay-at-home mom, currently two kids. Um, my son Adam is almost three, and my daughter Ellie is almost four months. Um my background is in health and fitness. Uh, for many years, I've worked as a physiotherapy assistant, also um, teaching fitness classes, teaching Pilates, coaching CrossFit. Um, so right now, I still try and just lead like an active lifestyle, and I enjoy just being outdoors and hanging out in the garden. <laughs> yes. Um, and just raising raising my kids. Awesome. And so, yeah, why don't we start with, you mentioned Adam, your oldest, uh, if you want to share a bit about how you felt kind of physically, mentally, emotionally during his pregnancy. Yeah. So physically I felt great. Um, I exercised well into my third trimester and like mentally and emotionally, I was just like, so like grateful. Like I, I guess my husband and I, we, it took us a while um, to conceive for the first time. And the whole time I was pregnant, I just, I was just in disbelief that this was actually happening. And um, yeah, I just, I just really wanted to be a mom and I, I had a great first pregnancy. What did you hear from family or friends about pregnancy and birth kind of going into Adam's pregnancy? I hadn't really heard much, actually. I didn't, I guess I just didn't know, like I knew it happened, but I didn't know like different stories, I guess. Um, but it wasn't until that uh, Mark and I were trying to have a baby that I guess I just started to pay attention more. Um, so I had a couple of close friends and even my sister-in-law, they had uh, really positive, unmedicated birth experiences. And I just thought that was wild and um but I remember feeling really curious about it and intrigued so um at the time so when we did end up conceiving I I remember I wanted to explore that as an option um when I was preparing when I was pregnant with Adam so I, I remember like looking into the midwifery route I read that uh I read Ina May's guide to childbirth I think another really popular book <laughs> and then my husband and I we took a two-day workshop on just learning about birth like this is the different stages of labor and um, this is kind of what you can expect and these are some different options uh, but other than that I really didn't do much in terms of preparing I guess like my athlete brain was like you got this like you can handle anything <laughs> yeah I, I guess in terms of like breaking it down and having a, like a, some preferences or any kind of plan. I, I just thought I could see what happens. And I think that's great to bring up. Like you do have that strong athletic background. I feel like if I hadn't been in public physio and dove into this area of my practice, I would have been very similar. Like the messaging is like, be super strong for birth. You can muscle your, your way through birth the same way of if like any athletic background or strength training. So I think yeah. it's great for people to hear because that is really common, right? In terms of people yeah. like, oh, you'll be fine because you're really strong. And we'll talk a bit about how you prepare differently second time around. But 
going into Adam's birth and postpartum recovery, how were those experiences? Not ideal. Like looking back, I was in labor for 36 hours. I had a really intense, painful back labor. Um, I, it was over three hours of pushing. Um, Adam was in a, he was in a bad position, like to come down through the birth canal. So it, he ended up getting stuck <laughs> in there. So I think day two, I opted for the epidural. I ended up needing a vacuum or they did the vacuum procedure to essentially just pull him from my body. We narrowly avoided a C-section. And then when he did come out, he had um, meconium and the cord was wrapped around his neck. And it was um, obviously not ideal. Like it was scary at the time, but we were lucky that I was fine and, and he was fine. Um, I did have some significant tearing, but yeah, I just remember the, like after they, the Adam checked out and they cleaned him up, they put him on my chest and I remember telling the nurse to take him off and they took him off and I was throwing up and I just like, it really threw me. I had no idea that that's what, like, that's the experience that I was in for. And I had a hard time um, recovering and postpartum. It was months before I felt like I could even walk very far. And uh, I was in and out of emerge a couple times just because I wasn't healing properly. And then I was noticing I was having uh, pelvic floor issues, which ultimately led me to you. <laughs> so um, yeah, I mean, it was completely, it threw me for a loop the first time. And looking back, I, I wish that I had done it, some type of preparation for that to maybe like feel more supported and even if the same outcome happened then maybe I would have felt differently about it yeah well thank you for sharing that because I do think it helps for others to hear different types of birth stories like do you feel going into Adam's birth did you hear um, stories, whether from family or friends or podcasts or blogs. I know you read Ina May's book, but yeah, had you heard kind of a variety of different experiences or more kind of just one type? I think I just focused on the type that I wanted to hear. And mm -hmm. I didn't, I didn't, like I knew about vacuum as a procedure. And at the time it was just scary. It was like, let's just get him out. I don't like do what you have to do kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um but maybe having more knowledge the first time would allow me to like ask more questions and feel more informed that way. The midwives, we went with midwives with our first birth and it was, they were great, but ultimately it was like the nurses and the OB that kind of took over. Having some type of knowledge going into birth is, is definitely recommended. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think that's helpful and kind of what you and Mark did first time around too, right? You had done like the two day kind of the intro course, like that kind of thing. And do you feel like with your midwife appointments, do you feel like labor or birth or pushing was talked about very much? Because I think a lot of people are surprised with, they assume the care provider is going to teach them everything about labor and pushing. And then that's not necessarily what those appointments are for or end up being. I think we talked about like, I, like the warm compress and we we talked about some things that um we could do during the, the different stages but I didn't have very good questions to ask um and I didn't think I was gonna have an epidural and I didn't think that I was just gonna be 
kind of just helpless on a bed and unable to move and unable to get comfortable. Yeah, I guess maybe I thought there would be more coaching like throughout that. The midwives were phenomenal. Everyone did Mm -hmm. what they could. I think it was more just like me knowing if I had different options in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think that is helpful and kind of that idea of um, even though planning for an unmedicated birth, but knowing even options of if you do get an epidural, because I think there is some people feel like I want to have this kind of birth if I think of any other type that's going to jinx it. And then that means it's going to happen versus mm-hmm. knowing options. And then you feel more empowered to make the choice to have an epidural if that feels like right for you in labor. So this will be good to hear kind of second time around how you felt. So with Ellie's pregnancy, how did you kind of feel that mentally, physically, and emotionally? Emotionally and physically, I did not feel great. I think it was, it was just a more challenging pregnancy. And I think it was just, um, I, I was on this emotional roller coaster of feeling really excited to have a second child, but also like really scared and like how was I going to share my time as a as a mother and um yeah I, I really struggled with that and then just I didn't have very much energy I had really bad insomnia uh with my pregnancy with Ellie and it was in the winter and I was just grumpy about wrangling a toddler and putting on winter clothes and I was just ready to be done but at the same time mentally I felt I felt very determined and I felt motivated to just take the onus to, to prepare for birth better this time. And, um, I really wanted a different experience. And even if, again, like I mentioned, like if the same outcome happened, I just wanted a different mental experience. I wanted to feel better about this birth. I think I even told myself, I was like, Emily, you're going to feel better about this birth, no matter what happens. (laughs) Yeah. So we did, we did decide to go with, uh, midwives again, Um, And then just based on my experience with Adam, like just needing those interventions in the hospital setting, we did want, uh, I was set on a hospital birth um, the second time around as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it's great how you talked about, you know, the lack of energy and stuff second time around. I was just talking with someone who is pregnant with their second this morning. And they're like, I had no idea, like, in terms of how much having a toddler would affect me in another pregnancy. And I remember that it's just one of those things where, yeah, people can say it, you can never fully prepare for it. But I think maybe hearing like, yes, having a toddler run circles around you while you're going through pregnancy might make you a little bit more tired this time around. Like you can't necessarily nap or rest when you particularly want to. What did prep look like second time around for Ellie's birth? much different. So I, I, like I said, I knew I wanted a different experience. Um, I hated that feeling of helplessness just with laying on the bed and felt like I really couldn't find a good position. Um, so the goal for this, my second birth again, was to, to try for an unmedicated birth, just for the sole purpose of being able to move around if baby did in fact get stuck again, because I was really hung up on the fact that this was going to happen again. Um, and I remember I started physio pretty early on with you and right away we kind of started, um, introducing some, some movements and some positions to help keep baby in a good position. So doing that forward leaning and I really kind of took that and ran with it. I was 
really focused on keeping the baby in a good spot. And um, I know we talked a lot about like different coping strategies, different pushing positions, pushing positions, even if I did need an epidural, um, breathing strategies. And at home, I just spent a lot of time like on my birth ball, practicing my flower bloom breath and uh, listening to birth meditations really, really helped keep my head in the right space. Um, and then also uh, I had like a list of mantras that I would just kind of replay in my head. And um, I didn't do any of that the, the first time around. And it felt it felt empowering to at least kind of be doing something while you're pregnant as opposed to just waiting around for baby to come. Um, and then the other kind of game changer was I took your pushing workshop and it was, um, it was like overwhelming the amount of stuff that I didn't know, like talking about uh, open glottis pushing and coached versus or coach pushing versus spontaneous pushing. And I remember looking at the online content and just becoming completely overwhelmed with emotion and just realizing that like my, the first time around, I was just bearing down and pushing as hard as I could and I wasn't getting anywhere and I didn't know there were like other options. Um, and it was just, it was very enlightening to, to just take a, a whole workshop on just one part or one piece of birth. Um, it gave me a lot of confidence for the second time around. That's, I think that's great. And I remember you talking about that day one. I know I always talk to clients like what, when it comes to preferences or goals. And I know for you, you were like, I'd like to do what I can for baby positioning. And we always talk about there is no guarantee, but there's some things that may help. And then also pushing was like on the top of your list that you're like, I want to know options this time. Mm -hmm. And you may have decided to do closed glottis pushing if that's what felt good, or just yeah. to know that there were options and that you were part like choosing to do what felt good for your body versus feeling like you didn't have any options. So I'm so glad that second time around you really felt like you had those options and yeah similar the workshop similar to what and then we reviewed in terms of with physio appointments with around pushing and then that's similar to what's in bump to birth so lots of great options to kind of learn about that so let's go into now that labor has started how did labor go with ellie yeah labor was interesting with ellie so i i essentially had um a complete opposite experience um, so it was on Mother's Day and I started noticing that I was having more frequent Braxton Hicks contractions because I had them pretty consistently in my last pregnancy. And then again, in late in this pregnancy, it was just something that just happened a lot. I don't, I don't know if other women experience that, but, um, anyway, so I just noticed that they were like kind of picking up in frequency, not necessarily in intensity, but we went about, our normal day. And um, I think it was like after dinner, again, I just, I thought that maybe they were picking up. So I told Mark, my husband, I said, I think I'm going to try and like time these out. So they were about 15 minutes apart. And I was like, okay, like maybe, like <laughs> maybe this is something. Um, I was 39 weeks, so it was pretty close to due date. And uh, so we went about like normal bath time and bedtime routine with our son, Adam. And I was like right involved in that and we ended up getting him down for the night and then I think it was around nine o'clock I was like I'm gonna time these again and they were eight minutes apart 
So I said, okay, I think this is a good sign that like, this is early labor. I said, Mark, like text your mom, tell her to kind of be on standby. We might be in for a long night. That's what I said. Um, and so he was just kind of like, like, I guess, so, uh, Sorry, my mother-in-law was coming to the house to watch Adam while we were at the hospital. Um, but yeah, I remember Mark like just adding some last minute things to the hospital bags. And I told him, I said, I'm going to start in the shower because I knew that that was kind of my plan for labor was to just get in the right head headspace, like take advantage of the nice warm water on my back. Um, like just kind of connect with my breath and go over my mantras and that kind of thing. Um, so I was in the shower and I wasn't in there very long and it was just this crazy intensity of like one contraction after the other and they were getting significantly more intense um, to the point where I was like on my hands and knees trying to breathe through them. And I remember being on the floor in the shower thinking like, I'm gonna get stuck in here. <laughs> Cause I wasn't able to walk really um, once a contraction started. So I ended up making it out of the shower. I was laying on the bed. And I told my husband, I said, I'm not coping well. This is this is becoming too much. I think I'd like to go to the hospital. And he said, okay, let's page your midwife. And um, we paged. And uh, by the time we got a call back, I had progressed even further, like in terms of just, I think I was five minutes apart, my contractions were at that point. And like just very intense, like moaning and shaking and nothing I've really experienced before. Um, so we got a call back from the midwifery clinic and they said that none of my primary midwives were on call. And I remember like my heart sank a little bit, but ultimately I was like, Emily, you're the one that needs to birth this baby. So <laughs> you got this. Um, but by the time we got a call back, it was a, a different midwife, one that I had never met before. Um, and I was really struggling to, to cope with the contractions. Um, and she was asking me questions like, like, is this your first pregnancy? And she really didn't know much about me. And I remember asking, I said, can you please talk to my husband? I'm not, I'm not managing well. And she said, no, I'd really like to talk to you. And I actually don't even really remember that phone call. I think I, it ended with me saying, look, I, I think I'm going to, I feel my body needing to, to push and I'd like to go to the hospital. And she said, okay, I'll meet you there. So that was, that was the plan. So i like told Mark, I was like, we need to go and we need to go now. I I could feel my body bearing down and starting to push. And I I wasn't surprised by it. I was like, okay, like this, this is happening, but I still didn't understand the time frame. I did not know how close she was to, to coming. Um anyways, I ran out. I was just sitting in the passenger seat of the truck and I was looking around. I was like, where the heck is Mark? He's not here. And I'm I, these contractions were just overwhelming my body. And, and I, I called out to him. I said, Mark, where are you? And he's like, I'm inside. I'm waiting for my mom. We can't go yet. And I was like, no, we have to, we have to go now. And uh, he didn't want to leave Adam and rightfully so. But I said, no, you just, we got to leave him. We have to go. But he ended up running the monitor over to the neighbor's house so that at least someone was watching Adam. Um but our, my mother-in-law did in fact kind of roll in at the last time. And then we just peeled out of the driveway and I knew that something, I didn't, I didn't think anything was wrong. I just, I knew that she was coming. And at this point I wasn't sure if we were going to make it to the hospital. And I kind of look back on that moment. I'm like, yeah, maybe, maybe I should have stayed home and, 
anyway, we were just flying down the road. I had another big contraction and I was yelling and gripping the seat and I could just feel her, her head kind of travel through my body and my water burst. And at that point I said, Mark, call an ambulance. Um, so he picked up the phone and we were trying to find like a, like a meetup point with the dispatcher. Like, can you make it to this road? Can you make it to this road? And I said, no. <laughs> so we ended up getting stopped at a red light. Just like, if you're local to here, just at like the Fowler's Corners highway with, there's a gas station on one side and there was an empty coffee time parking lot on the next. It's like, no, we, you have to pull over. Like she's, I can feel her coming. And, uh, so Mark backed into the the parking lot. At this point, the dispatcher said, like, he hung up the phone. He said, you just, like, take care of your wife. The nearest ambulance will be there in six to eight minutes. So Mark got the truck parked. He came around to my side, and I said, okay, you need to recline the seat. <laughs> and he's just kind of fumbling. Poor Mark. I don't think he really knew the extent of what was happening. Um, and I said, you need to take off my pants. And then I was like, take off my underwear. <laughs> like, take everything off. And uh, uh, once, like, I didn't have any of my clothes on anymore, he saw that she was crowning. And I think he just kind of went into go mode. Like, I could feel his hand, like, on my legs, like, just kind of ready to catch her. Um, at that point, there was a, a supervisor paramedic that pulled up. And I, Mark said he was kind of, like, taking his time, like, putting his gloves on. And Mark's like, no, like, get over here now. <laughs> I need help. I need help, is what he said. Um, and then at that point I had birthed her head and then the paramedic was there, uh, thankfully to, to catch her body. It was, yeah, at that point it was, it was 1045 at night. It was, it was cold and I didn't realize how slippery newborn babies were. And the paramedic was like, you got to grab her. And I was like, I'm trying to grab her, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was, it was insane. And at the same time, I felt like I didn't have control over what was happening to my body, but I, I knew what was happening with every stage. Like I could, when I was yelling, I was like, okay, yeah, this is like, this is open glottis pushing. And I could feel this strong urge of bearing down. And I was like, yep, this is spontaneous pushing. And I just, I think it took the fear and the panic out of it. Cause that's what Mark said. He's like, Emily, you just seemed very focused during, <laughs> during that. Um, but ultimately we just, we got very lucky and Ellie was fine. I think she was just a little bit cold by the time we got to the hospital. Um, and I was fine. I remember Mark and I looked at each other and we laughed, we were laughing. We we're like, what just happened? <laughs> but there was a moment when I had to transfer from the truck to the stretcher after they had taken Ellie, my daughter, like um, into the ambulance to get her warm and I was standing in the parking lot and at this point the there was three ambulances there that had kind of blocked in our vehicle um so there was just kind of like spotlights on us and I was standing in the parking lot with no pants on I was soaking wet and I had one sock on and I looked down and it's just the umbilical cord like dangling from my body and I remember thinking like what I'm like oh yeah like of course that would still be there like <laughs> I, I didn't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, I made it onto the stretcher and I got to hold Ellie the whole way to the hospital. Um, the paramedic told Mark, he's like, you just need to take five and then slowly make your way to the hospital. Everyone's fine. 
Um, and we were, we were fine. I could near, when we got into Peterborough, I could feel my body wanting to start to push the placenta out. I think it was just like a big adrenaline rush. And then I got upstairs or I got up to uh, labor and delivery. And then it was one of my primary midwives up there. She was there with another client and she took me on, which I was so happy to see a familiar face. Um, she did all my aftercare. And then like, I think we were there for maybe four hours and we went home. <laughs> so it was, it was a complete opposite experience. Um, obviously not ideal with like the sheer emergency of it all, but I think it was the birth that I wanted and I didn't, I didn't want to be in the hospital long and I wanted to be home to take care of my son. And yeah, I think just having the know-how and having the knowledge of what to expect. And I think it just, it made it, it made it happen. So <laughs> yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah. I don't think I realized that it was so late at night because I'm mm -hmm. like, there probably were no lights or mm -hmm. anything in that, in that parking lot either. And yeah, the fact, cause I remember you saying, you're like, Mark didn't realize how how quickly things were happening and maybe on the phone too with how calm you were the other midwife didn't either yeah. um with how with how you how well you were coping through it yeah. yeah that was definitely the case it was me not knowing how far along in labor I was um but just knowing that I needed to leave <laughs> yeah well yeah thank you so much for sharing that because I do think it's helpful for people that people he don't hear very much about car births and it's sometimes it, again, it can be overwhelming and a lot because again, it's typically unexpected that that, that that happens, but you're saying how, with how you prepared, you kind of knew what your body was doing and then that contributed to how calm you felt during it. And I'm always, I was impressed too of how you were able to tell Mark exactly what you needed and what to do during that too yeah and I think when I pushed her head out I birthed her head in obviously in the front seat of the truck and then when the paramedic got there he 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 saw her head out of my body and he just kind of I could kind of hear the panic in his voice and he was like okay you gotta push 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 and I told him I said I'm not ready and I'm waiting for the next contraction <laughs> and I just like I really just completely was in tune with what my body was telling me to do. And I didn't think that it could happen that way, just based off of my first experience. And like, to this day, I'm looking back and I'm like, was I in labor all day? Were those really Braxton Hicks contractions? And I, they, I just didn't know. I, the only labor I had been ex like ex exposed to was back labor. So I don't know. There's a number of factors that I kind of mull over in my head and wonder, like, oh, maybe I should have done this differently, but I'm trying not to. I'm trying to just embrace what happened. <laughs> yeah, I think that's key because I know every, I feel like everyone can go back and be like, oh, what about this? What about that? And you just you don't know. And it can it can be common for that to happen. Just like you're um, not necessarily just second time around, sometimes first time around or um, third or fourth where things go faster. But again, you may not notice the kind of the early labor side of things. Um, yeah. So you definitely had a precipitous, a very fast birth second yeah. time around, which I remember you saying too, that um, you were prepared that it may be longer like Adam's birth, but you're like, if things could be faster this time, that would be great. 
and it definitely went faster yeah much faster yeah Yeah. (laughs) and then so how how was your recovery right now like you said Ellie is almost four months old so how has your recovery been this time around yeah I honestly it was breezy and um after the night I brought her home I was in the kitchen I, I think I made toast and I just was up and I did um do a better job at just trying to rest and like stay off my feet this time um but I think it was around four weeks I really started kind of feeling normal again and not that you're not normal when you're postpartum but um just feeling like things were healing up and um it was I think it was more the emotional side of like digesting what had happened um but um no, in terms of my recovery, it was, it was way, way less intense than my first time. <laughs> mm-hmm. Go, even going back to this pregnancy, right? Like how with Adam, it was very much like strength training, not as much mobility work. And I remember this time around, you didn't feel like you had the energy to do strength and you didn't really want to do a ton of strength, but you had you were like, okay, mobility stuff is actually what my body is craving. So you did that more so second time around. And even then postpartum, kind of getting back to that mobility stuff and some strength too initially. But I feel like the mobility stuff, people are surprised how good that feels early on. Yeah, I think you mm-hmm. were the one who helped me kind of realize that you're like, just just do these exercises then. Yeah. And it felt good to be doing something without putting the pressure on myself to be doing doing more I don't mm-hmm. know why I would think that I would need to be doing more but um, it's because society tells us it's like you should yeah. be doing you should be doing more um and it's one of those things where sometimes less is more like it does feel especially when you have that other little toddler run around right so um yeah. that mobility stuff can feel really good and even just I don't think I did anything until uh around four weeks and then even still, it was just like just breathing and or doing some stretches that felt good or mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really took all kinds of any kind of pressure off and just embraced it and it yeah. went faster the, yeah. first, the yeah. second time. <laughs> yeah. And so, yeah, thank you for sharing both experiences. And so what advice would you give to someone expecting for the first time? I would say don't just wing it. I know that sounds like, I guess my standpoint was like, well, you never know what's going to happen anyway. So you may as well just not have a plan. (laughs) Um, I think like take advantage of uh, maybe seeing a pelvic health physio or looking into what resources are available. I know that the snippet of the pushing workshop that I took from, I'm assuming that you guys go into more depth and of on that in the bump to birth method. And I think that I would have really benefited from, from taking that whole course. And I was lucky enough to be able to see you in person though. And that really, it really helped to kind of have someone throughout the whole pregnancy journey to kind of like bounce things off of. And yeah, you were in extremely helpful and um, my midwives were helpful too, but it was just a more in-depth, um, I guess, coaching experience with you was kind of feeling like these are your options and even we I think we even practiced some of the pushing positions and it really it really made me buy into feeling like 
I was going to have an empowered birth because I felt, I felt empowered and I felt um, educated enough during my pregnancy period. Um, Uh So yeah, I think need just do something like look and see what's available. Um, And yeah, I'm going to say just your bump to birth method would be, (laughs) would be amazing. (laughs) You know how you said about Adam's birth, you're like, if I have the same birth again, I want to feel more empowered this time around. So it's like, you know, all the peanut ball stuff and all these things that if you did uh, choose to have an epidural, you had more awareness and options and Mark too, of kind of how he could support you. And then what about second or third, fourth time moms? What advice would you have for them? Like, I don't know why my head head space was here, but I was really hung up on the fact that my baby was going to get stuck again. So really just don't don't assume that you're going to have an experience just like your first experience. I mean, it could go either way. I mean, it, I guess it was to my advantage because I did a lot of prep work to make, to keep baby in a good position, but I, I had it in my head that I was going to have a long back labor again. Um, and it really just, it did not happen that way. So I think just be open to any kind of experience and know that, um, yeah, things can be quite different the second time. And even just from, I guess, like the perspective of of where like the preferences that you have um like what would it look like if you if you couldn't get an epidural this time and what would it look like if you couldn't have a hospital birth this time and even just kind of going over all aspects of of each scenario might even help um prepare you if you ever like found yourself in a position like I did like kind of on the side of the road (laughs) That's such great advice, I think, for for subsequent moms, because it's true, you just don't know. And I think sometimes we get told, like, your second one will either be the same, or it'll be faster, or like certain kind of, again, almost pigeonholing how the second one is going to go. And like you said, like, you just don't know any of the times you don't know. So preparing for all those options, I think is such great advice. Thank you so much again, Emily, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to to share that experience. And I know that I really benefit from your podcast and listening to other birth stories. And I just hope that this can help maybe someone else in the future. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of the To Birth and Beyond podcast. You can find any links or resources we discussed in the show notes at tobirthandbeyond.com. And if you enjoyed today's show, we would love for you to leave us a review on iTunes and subscribe to the To Birth and Beyond podcast in iTunes or Stitcher. 